Hello and welcome to the very first ever The Common Room, a podcast about Harry Potter and, of course, everything magical. My name is Max Liedem, a.k.a. Max Fozzie, your host of this podcast. Of course, this podcast is just a small part of the Cinemaxic Podcast universe, but for your convenience, all you have to do, baby, is subscribe to Cinemaxic Podcasts on most, on most of your favorite podcast networks. Um, we are on quite a lot right now. Let me go ahead and double check which ones those are. You can find us on Google Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Stitcher, all of those great applications and podcast websites you can find us. So please subscribe and like or whatever they ask you to do. Do it. I would really appreciate it. So thank you again for joining me on this very first The Common Room Podcast. We're really excited to dive in to our review of The Crimes of Grindelwald. And first, I'd like to introduce my co-host of today's episode, the one and only Tim Reichmith. Tim, how are we doing today? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Awesome. I'm glad to have you on board, buddy. I'm glad you brought your coffee. We got you a laptop, so you look like a real professional podcaster here. How do you how do you feel? How do you feel being on board for the first the first common room podcast? I'm uh, I'm pretty excited. I've done uh one other podcast before. Um, mm-hmm. so this is still pretty new to me, but it, I think it's going to be a great time. I think we will too, Tim. I think we will too. I know we both have a lot of thoughts on this movie, so we're going to go ahead and dive. We're going to dive straight into this thing. For my listeners here, we're going to do about a 10 to 15 minute spoiler free review. We're going to talk about what we like and what we didn't like, but we're not going to dive into any spoilers. I'm going to clear, clearly mark when we're going to go into our spoiler cast. So for this first 15 minutes, you are, you're all set, no spoilers, and I'm going to clearly give the word. We're about to dive into spoilers. So that way, if you want to dive out of there and go see that movie, as you should, we can do that. So, Tim, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, what'd you think? What'd you like? What'd you didn't like? So, just to kind of at a broad overview, I think it's a good movie for the Harry Potter fan because it takes you into the magical world, the uh-huh. wizarding world. Yep. Um, it, it brings all of that to life. You mm-hmm. kind of get that nostalgia that you experienced, sure. you know, in the books and sure. the original movie. Okay. Um, as far as storytelling goes, I think they could have done a better job. Um, but if you look at it, since this is going to be movie two of five in the series, mm-hmm. um, it's going to be more towards one of those movies that are just kind of leading up to um, bigger and better things. Yeah. And, and, I'm I'm with you on that. I like there there was a lot of world building in this. Uh JK Rowling, who is obviously the screenwriter for this for this film, you can see she's put her personal touch on that that you could find in the books. Um there's a lot of really great details that I liked and a lot of great story building aspects I liked. However, I, I came away from this thing feeling like I just watched a two hour and twenty minute trailer for what's to come. And it's disappointing to me because of that, because when we first started this thing, when this got announced, I think in 2013, that they were going to do a, a Wizarding World movie universe, that there was only going to be three movies in this. Of course, the first one came out, made a ton of money, and they decided to do five. 
So I'm a little worried right off the bat that I'm feeling like the second one was just a trailer. It didn't feel like there was a beginning or an end. It just felt like we kind of went, just watched watch a trailer with no true story to that, to the singular movie. Did you feel that way at all? or? No, absolutely. I, I do feel a little worried about what they're going to do with the next three mm-hmm. um, because the climatic you know, battle at the very end, that's going to be the fifth movie. Yep. So what are they going to be doing for those other two movies? Right. Um, that's what I'm a little concerned about because I don't want it to be, you know, just a money grabbing thing. Hey, here's the wizarding world. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just gonna gonna make us some more. Right. And that's and I I, I agree. It's it's that's what's frightening for me because I love the fact that there is the wizarding world movie universe here. I love that we're going to get expanded. Uh, universe in this it's not just going to be the harry potter universe um that we know from the books and then the eight movies so i was really excited about that but i i have to agree with you it feels like where we don't have the material that we're we're looking for when it comes to the the rich detailed worlds that we get from those first eight harry potter movies and what i think uh, the reason is because of that is J.K. Rowling wrote obviously these huge massive books and you're condensing that down into a movie so you can take all of these great aspects from these books and easily condense it down into a movie and your movie's going to feel rich and full and vibrant of all of these different details. But right now she has no book obviously about Fantastic Beasts other than that small little thing she released out after the after the main series. There's no there's not even a story really in that book so she's kind of going off of maybe little post-it notes that she had about details of her world and it doesn't feel as rich and as vibrant to me and that's why I'm right there with you it's what are they going to be doing for these next five movies because I was already disinterested in what they're doing in the second movie you know you know what I'm saying with that yeah right no I agree and kind of go to the books when they translated those into movies they had a good structure so movie one is mm-hmm. two. yeah with this it's it's not quite as structured so yeah. Um, in this movie, we find ourselves in 1927, mm-hmm. and if if you read the books, uh, the actual battle doesn't happen until five. So yep. we're still 18 years away, right? Um, which is a long time, and that's a concern too for right. me because are they? It seems like they've already played with the timeline. Are they? Do you think they're gonna? Do you think we're gonna see 18 years of passing time from this movie till the fifth, or do you are you concerned that they might be changing it up? That's a good point. Um, I would assume they would probably have it, you know, stay true. So yeah. it's going to be 18 years right. until the fifth movie. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there could be a lot of different things changing. One thing that I was thinking about um, as I was, you know, getting ready for the podcast mm-hmm. is: um, Have you read the the Cursed Child, that new book? That Unfortunately, came out? yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. So they play a lot with you know, you know, traveling in time and mm-hmm. kind of altering the past experiences. Uh, yeah. One thing that crossed my mind is if, in fact, maybe that will play into this series where something happened, someone went back in time trying to change something, and then that's just going to kind of mess up oh, the God, the I hope not. I pray to God. I pray to, I pray to <clears throat> dead Dumbledore himself that that does not happen because <laughs> you know my feelings on that book. I can't stand that book, and that might be for a different cast, uh, a different a different episode of this. I cannot stand that quote unquote book that they marketed as the eighth book, which 
is shameful that J.K. Rowling would allow that to be called the quote-unquote eighth book. How I, I, Oh, my goodness. It wasn't even written by her, and that's okay. I mean, I would love to see J.K. Rowling license her universe out to different authors, kind of like what Star Wars has done. But to call that the eighth book in the Harry Potter series, it makes me worried that she's made that canon and let's not dive too far into that. I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole. We will we will ta- tackle that topic another day. But that's a good that's a good point. It's a good point because in the movies it's making me wonder what is going to be canon. What is going to be canon in in the universe because in the movies they they follow the books, but the movies they really what? They mention a date once maybe. I, I honestly I can't even think of a time where they they actually had a date written out that said like hey this is the current date. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe I think at the beginning of Sorcerer's Stone they say this this maybe that was the, like the day Harry Potter got dropped off on the step of the Dursleys. Right. I can't remember if that, but that's the only time they've mentioned a date. And obviously the movies took some liberties from the books. The for instance Hermione one of her key character points is spew right and you're not spew is not mentioned once in the movies right but and, i think that kind of goes towards trying to fit in all of that detail into yeah. the movie. it's it's kind of hard right. to do because yeah. you'd have to spend a lot of time explaining what spew is yeah and that would just kind of deter the movie sure because it wouldn't apply a- absolutely and I, I agree and i agree so what i i guess what i'm trying to say is obviously the movies take certain liberties from the books but since it's playing around with the timeline, these new Fantastic Beast movies are kind of playing around with the timeline. Are the movie universe going to be their own canon, and the books are not going to be attached to the movie universe canon at all? Is what I'm starting to get concerned about. I would be okay with that, but since like these movies are not like going by the dates that might be on that are in the books, like the Honestly, do I see, if you ask me right now, do I see the movies taking 15 years in the movie universe to, and we're going to see like an older Newt and even an older Albus and whatnot fight Grindelwald? I would say no. We're probably, it's going to probably take place like within three years of what I was thinking, just because of how the story's moving along. But, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know. So that's, again, getting back to the topic of JK just kind of writing a screenplay versus um, going off a book. It's a little different. I've, I think she's trying to get her feet wet still in that, writing writing a screenplay. So far, honestly, I'm I'm not as impressed with her screenplay writing as obviously I am with her amazing, amazing writing that she does. Right. Um, um, but let's dive into you know some things we did like about the movie. I know we're kind of jumping back and forth from what we did and didn't like. Something I liked a lot, though, and was very happy with because I'm a huge Johnny Depp fan, a huge Jude Law fan. I loved both their performances in this movie. Oh right, yeah, I I enjoy both of their performances as well. Um, yeah, being a Johnny Depp fan, his past few kind of flopped. He yeah. hasn't been in, in in anything great, and I think he did a very good job with this. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was pleased with this performance. It, it kind of brought you into that was definitely one good. Yeah. Um, another thing that I enjoyed is how we got to experience different cultures yeah um within uh, the magical yeah um got to see france got to see uh, yep. you know, america briefly yeah and, and, yep um i thought that was really cool that was that was excellent as well yeah no, i i totally i that's something that i really hope to see 
the universe expand into create these different stories and different cultures i would love to see like japan and china's magical right. worlds and whatnot like that lion yeah. tiger the In lion china? tiger the, what was it uh i don't remember what it was called Frittata? Yes. what was it Frittata? Uh, <laughs> something like that you look that up uh, okay you look that up but we got to see a magical beast from china and it i i loved that it definitely it clearly looked like it could have been an ancient uh uh beast from china uh from mytho- mythologically it looked like it would be accurate to chinese mytho- mythology which i thought was really cool with that design um but yeah, and getting back to Johnny Depp and Jude Law on that one, I love Johnny Depp as Grindelwald. I thought he was creepy. I thought he was he was serious. He really bought into that role as Grindelwald, and you could totally tell he was treating it. He was treating it like like it was a very serious role, and that's something I appreciated that he he took the time to to buy into that. And that's something whether you like Johnny Depp as an actor or not, whether you've liked his past performances, the guy does not care really about what other people think. He's going to buy into it and he's going to give his best performance he can. And whether that you, you, that sits well with you, whether like for instance, that awful Mordecai movie. I mean, that movie is terrible. It is awful, but he, he bought into that role and was really good in it. So I loved him there. And also, I don't know, I was creeped out at the beginning where he's in the, where they breaking him out of prison. Um, super creepy also the way they carried him with like his arms cranked behind his back and whatnot right that was legitimately scary i thought i was like that's that's off-putting i don't like that i don't like the way they haven't contorted at all Uh, nobody should bend that way right tim oh no that was uh that was unnatural definitely (laughs) yeah that's you gotta i I at least hope they stretched him out but before beforehand because i gotta imagine he pulled a hammy sure shoulders sure 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 shoulders sore shoulders on that one, I'd have to imagine he's gonna have some rotator cuff injuries. I don't, I don't know if the magic can fix that, but very creepy. Also, I don't know if you noticed Jude Law. I think looked at um, uh, the previous Dumbledore actors who played them. I think he obviously read the book. Um, and let I me hope look. So. He, I, I think he read the books, obviously. Uh, but I think, if you ask me, he also looked at the performances of the two Dumbledores before him because he nailed the um the whimsical the whimsical like uh feeling Dumbledore had this mystifying wisdom that Dumbledore always always carries like what I've always loved about his character even as a, a person watching is that you always feel like he's always in control but he's never rude or mean or comes off dark and edgy he just is like so badass that he can be a nice badass. He's just like you always feel like he's in control of every situation, um, and I think he nailed that. And even he nailed some of the um, the vocal things too. It, it, I don't know what Dumbledore's exact uh, birth origin or whatnot, but Michael Gambon, uh, who portrayed uh, Dumbledore in Prisoner of Azkaban and so forth, had that kind of that kind of accent and Jude Law clearly draws from that. I feel like, which I love that he dove in there to make it as accurate as possible. Um, so yeah, I like that. What'd you think of that? Yeah, no, uh, I, I thought he did a great performance. Um, but I think that's just kind of also casting as well. Cause Jude Law usually kind of provides that specific feeling when I watch him in the whimsical, yeah. he seems kind of wise and mm-hmm. he always plays a character that that's, uh, you know, kind or not. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Hey, kind of on uh, Johnny Depp's, uh, I think he, his roles, he usually nails down the mannerisms mm-hmm. and has those little ticks that mm-hmm. kind of, you know, bring his character to life. Where, yeah. you know, in this case with Grindelwald, uh, he kind of like a sociopath a little yeah. bit, where, you know, he is thirsting for power and he yeah. kind of has some of those mental quirks that you definitely see with sure reaction. Sure. There, there is a stone cold coolness to to him and it's it's uh there's like just this i i don't know there's some so much depth that you can get out of his character but there's this just like facade that's there that's just cold and i i was very happy that johnny was able to pull that off and another performance i was Somewhat happy with, also somewhat, I, I feel the same, but I'm happy with it in some some ways and some ways not. Uh, Eddie Redmayne as Newt. Um, a lot of people seem to have not really have enjoyed him in the first one. I, when I thought of Newt Scamander when I was reading the books and whatnot, I was thinking more of a... a more of a heroic character, a little bit more bold, where Newt and obviously Eddie... Did not get that from that at all. He wanted him to be timid and caring and whatnot. I was thinking like a crocodile Dundee character. Maybe you know, even <laughs> I'm just gonna stick my head in this crop. <laughs> even a you know a, a, a Steve Irwin, rest in peace to the god. Um, you know, uh, something like that. I understand. Yeah, totally. So I was actually looking for Matt Smith when when they were originally looking. You know, he, Matt Smith from he was Doctor Who for a while, and uh, he he actually he. I think he played a role in um uh, no he didn't play a role in any of the harry potter <laughs> movies actually but he he i thought he was going to be a great choice but and so eddie took a different approach but what i did like is that though he kept it the same i do feel like newt had way more personality in this movie than he did the last one right and there seemed to be more development yeah. in this one i agree you, he's kind of branching out um because in the first one he struggled with you know any social interactions with mm-hmm. People, but you know, with not or not creatures, so mm-hmm. uh, he's definitely branching out. He's trying. Um, I one thing I, I like to point out is that interaction with Jacob, where he's, he's like, mm-hmm. What are you gonna say when you uh, see Tina? Oh. oh, your eyes remind me of Salman. Oh, that was eyes. great, yeah. Where's <laughs> and then the interaction that he has with her, yeah. he's just struggling trying yeah. not to say that. And I was actually gonna mention that too. Something I really appreciated is I wasn't sure if I liked it. It wasn't that I didn't like it. I just didn't buy into it as much in the first movie. I thought the chemistry between Jacob and Newt was fantastic. I That was probably one of the best parts of the movie to me. When they were on screen together and interacting with each other, it was one of the strong points of the whole movie. They just the the they were opposites in a lot of ways, but they just they really got that down to to just a really fun fun thing to watch, a really fun element of the movie. I love that chemistry between the both of them. Right. I thought it was good chemistry. I, I don't think it was as good as the first one, though. Yeah, I, I think agree. with the interactions. Because the first one, mm-hmm. I think they focused more on Jacob getting introduced to mm-hmm. the wizarding world yeah. and you know just being surprised by all of these different things. And sure. this one, it, it didn't come across that way. It yeah. seemed like you know he's more used to it, which I guess that makes sense because... He's already had all this experience, yeah. but um, that's one of the things I missed. Where he's like, "Oh, that's," mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. No, I I agree. And um, before we, uh, some, a couple more things I wanted to get into just before we move on to the spoilers. Um, one thing I didn't like at all about this movie was the pacing. 
I thought the pacing right. of this movie was very poor, very, very poor. Like for the first, honestly, for the first hour, I'm like, what are we even, what, it, for, it was like an hour of exposition for something that we don't even get payoff of. It seemed like, because it, it was all relationship things and, right. and I just was, I, I was sitting there, I'm like, are we going to move on to some part of the actual story? Right. I, it, it moved really, really slow. And then it just was like, sprint to the finish. Right. And I, it was off. And, and as I was telling you earlier, it, it gave me a very Game of Thrones vibe where, mm-hmm. you know, they're jumping between characters trying to yep. tell you their story so yep. you know what they're doing and yep. also introduce you. So sure. um, they introduced quite a few. So yep. it, it was a little difficult trying to... Yep make you feel close to them mm-hmm. while also tying them into the story yeah, overall. Too many characters. Um, yeah, and I, I think in some cases it may have been a little unnecessary. They're yeah. just kind of throwing in characters for names. Yeah. But overall, I think uh, this would have this would have been much better suited for a TV series yeah. where, you know, the, you watch it one week mm-hmm. um, and then the next week it continues on. Sure. So you don't have those you know, year to two year span where you're, you're wondering what's going to happen yeah. next just to get another, um, you know, lead up movie, just yeah. setting it up for yeah. the next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I mean, with TV series, you can definitely do that because Game of Thrones does it all the time, yeah. but that's also one of the great things. About yeah. I, I feel like this, they're, they're going for like the, they're going for like the, they're almost treating it like a TV show as it is. And unfortunately that just, that's just not working. I mean, if, they're too long to be treated like this. And there's, you know, for me, each movie, if you're going to do a big series like this, and that's what's great about the Harry Potter films, each movie has a definitive story with definitive plot points, with definitive villains and bad guys and good guys, and an overall struggle that and that begins and ends in each book. Yet, there's story elements that carries on to the next movie. And that's what's excellent about Harry Potter. That's what's excellent about Lord of the Rings. That's what's excellent about... Um, you say Game of Thrones, all those things, and even though Game of Thrones is a show, but they they do a great job of condensing it, and that's what I did not like about this. It just did not feel like its own movie. It felt like I was watching a two-and-a-half-hour build-up to another thing, and that's a movie two of five, and I'm not, I'm not too happy, too happy about that. But, um, Tim, is there anything else you'd like to get in before we move on to the spoilers? Nope, I'm good. You good? All right. We're going to move on to the spoiler chat now, and uh, here's your time to get out of here. Spoiler time. We're going to dive right into the spoiler parts of this now, guys. Again, this is your last chance to abandon ship before we do. So, they really, really wanted to drive home the point that Grindelwald is as bad as Voldemort. They're like, hey, this guy is serious because he's killing he's killing babies. He's killing a lot of baby killing in this thing yeah. to start off. Lots. Right. There was at least two more baby deaths than I was originally expecting walking into this, which was zero baby deaths. Oh, right, right. Yep. One thing I do like about the way they're portraying the character, though, is it's a lot more of a gray area than you had with Voldemort. Right. Voldemort just straight bad, you know, if you're yep. going to follow him and, you know, you're evil, but in this case, it doesn't quite come off that way sure. as much. Where you have that gray area, where I can understand yeah. why you would be following him in certain that makes circumstances. Sense. He kind of it's he's kind of like the Magneto of the Wizarding World. Did you ever see the X Men movies? Did you ever see any of those? Jordan? Oh yeah. No, no X Men movies. Oh, I have. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, it's uh, Magneto. Essentially, is um, 
Yeah, he's he, he tries to Dumbledore's Professor Xavier. Exactly. It's <laughs> exactly right. That's exactly right. These are X Men movies when it comes down to it. Um, no, uh, Magneto obviously he rallies the mutants against the humans, and there's a gray area there. Like, oh, I understand why the mutants would want to follow Magneto because they're being shunned by the people, and that's kind of what Grindelwald is doing. He's like, the wizards want to follow me. They all the all of his followers don't seem bad. For instance. Queenie, who eventually joins sides with him. They're not Yeah, bad I was surprised people. about that. I was surprised about that as well. Now, I, I don't understand why that was necessary, like why Grindelwald specifically talked to her, but we'll get to that too because I'm not entirely sure why that happened. Sure. Um, but there is that gray area there where, yeah, you're right. If you're following Voldemort, you're straight up evil SOB. No one likes you. We all hate you. We want, we, we want your characters dead. Uh, but if you're following Grindelwald, you know, Hey, he's just he's deceiving good people. There's bad people obviously that follow him or just straight up bad, but he's also deceiving good people into thinking what he's saying is right, which is a really well appreciated story element to this, I think. Right. And I think that's kind of what I've read in places. It's like the Marvel effect where they're starting to focus more on the villain and kind of humanizing them. So instead of it's just like, oh, they're straight up bad, let's hope they get defeated right it's may or it's giving you their perspective you right. know you can understand where they're coming from right um and it, it makes it a little bit more real mm-hmm. and just good versus yeah yeah and we all know what happened the first time voldemort tried to kill a baby it did not go well for him it did not he got banished to the shadow realm essentially yes you remember this i believe uh, it was fill me in please i believe it was harry potter was the movie who uh the book even and I believe it starts off with Voldemort trying to kill a baby, and it just backfires on him. Spoiler Doesn't go alert. Well. Yeah, there's, uh, you're not supposed to kill babies, That's, that's one thing Grindelwald has. That's one, uh, that's, that's one thing. <laughs> that's, that's a terrible sound bit. <laughs> okay. You're not supposed to kill babies, Tim. Uh, no, that's a terrible thing. We do not condone that. No. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. Anyways, moving along. Um Something I uh, was also really uh, bothered by in this was like the expo- ex- the overall exposition in some of these scenes. I was literally laughing at the Nagini scene, Voldemort's obviously future snake. Did you follow along with that? What that circus guy was saying when he was having her transform? So Nagini in this movie is uh, obviously she's a human. She, which we just found out, she's a human, and apparently she's cursed with the ability to turn into a snake. But it's different than being able to, uh, than being an animagus or anything like that. It's different than that. It's straight up a curse that she has in her so, blood. It's a blood curse, I believe. Called a maledictus, I believe. Maledictus. Uh, basically, yeah, you are cursed, and then at some point, uh, you permanently. Yeah transform into that animal and you can't go back to being a human but was like this happened this type of scene happened multiple times where they're over explaining to the audience like what's going on where he's like it's like she can turn into a snake now but at some point she will turn into a snake again and she will never be able to change back from being a snake and i'm like we've all seen the movies i was laughing at that I, we've seen the movies we've read the books Obviously, we know she doesn't. She cannot turn back, and I don't know why they were like overselling that. Was... I think it's kind of more towards the circus theme because mm. they, whenever you go to a circus, they just kind of sell you the specific thing and make it um, over dramatic. Yeah. Um, 
just to kind of you know get the crowd in, yeah. involved. And I, I don't. I'm I'm trying to understand too why she was even why they even included Nagini in this. I mean, it seemed like uh, Credence's character, which we haven't touched on at all because pretty much everything about Credence is a spoiler. But Credence there meeting Nagini apparently was like in love with her. I can't tell if that's what's going on. Um, but like Nagini's character is not a bad character. She's she's a good guy. So I guess when she turns into a, a snaky snake, that she's 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 a bad girl. I guess is what's going on, and uh, yeah, or she progressively sure. gets more evil. And that's something that bothered me too, because I'm like, okay, there's no real point in her being here, um, and uh, you haven't given her character a purpose. You're just kind of throwing it in for fan service, and. I was not getting a kick out of that. I didn't. I didn't get a kick out of that. I think that fell flat on its face with the whole Nagini thing. Um, so yeah, I, I wasn't. I wasn't that into it um, with with that. But right, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that uh, moving forward. Because I I'm interested <laughs> in seeing why she turns evil um, mm-hmm. as well as how she ends up with Voldemort. Yeah, yeah. And then um, so from that circus scene. Also, we see a lot of different creatures, a lot of different beasts in there. And here's what I have a problem with, uh, with the uh, with the, the beast design in the movie. Um, what I do like is uh, they're all really unique. They're all really colorful, and they're all really – It's it looks really cool. Uh, I, I do like that. But something that – and you can tell me this if you think this uh, – I don't, sometimes I don't feel like it fits in the Harry Potter universe at all. Like some of these, like in the Harry Potter movies, a lot of those beasts were really like well-grounded, the hippogriff and, and, um, I don't know the, even the mer people and they had this like realistic look to them. Uh, even fluffy had this realistic look to them. Some of these look kind of unreal. Obviously they're magical creatures. They're not going to be realistic, but they just sometimes the art style on them does not doesn't seem like it fits in this universe to me. Which ones are like Well, even though even the even the Chinese lion thing. It, like the big like flappy flowery tail. It seems like maybe the color palette they chose for them makes them seem like they're really really vibrant and not maybe in this doesn't seem like it fits in the universe sometimes. And it's not to say I don't like their design. I think it's great. But sometimes I'm just like, this doesn't seem like this would be a creature in the Harry Potter universe, but right. maybe that's just me. Do you feel it, that way? Or? I mean, I can kind of see it if you look at like the, the Chinese culture a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what those things are called specifically, but you know how they will like wear the dragon and yeah. they kind of walk around like a, a group of five people and sure. it has a long tail. Yeah. That's kind of what it reminded me of. So if you can tie those two together, it potentially is saying yeah. that... You know they're mimicking that specific yeah. creature, and, and I that that makes and to be honest with you, that made more sense too after the movie. I think what really was the kicker for me on that was uh, they um, they uh, had Newt explain the creatures pretty well every time that they showed up, and when the when Newt took his time to explain it and explain what the creature did and what region it was from. I loved that. That was awesome. That was so fun to see because, for the most part, I think the beasts take a backseat in this. I, I, oh yeah. I, yep. For me, like the movie shouldn't even be called Fantastic Beasts at this point. I right. think they're really regretting naming this entire five movie thing Fantastic Beasts because it, there really wasn't much thanks for the beasts to do. They're just like, well, we have to include it now because it's a part of this whole freaking series. Um, but. I, that that was fun when they do that when they explain the creatures. I I do very much like that. 
Right. Yeah, that's one thing I, I missed as well, and I agree with you on that. I don't know why it's still called Fantastic Beasts, mm-hmm. but it, they've made a point uh, multiple times throughout both movies that Grindelwald doesn't understand the beasts as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm wondering if that will come into play a lot more um, yeah. later on. So. And something that's bothering me too with Newt's character is that like Newt seemingly is an incredible wizard on top of just being like a beast, like a beast tamer. Like he straight up shows up to the circus and does some random, random magic I've never seen. And is like, not only is he a great beast tamer, apparently he's a top notch detective. He's just can throw this gold dust around and see where where uh what's her face went uh tina tina yeah. tina went and he's uh he's like sherlock holmes and uh, yeah. dumbledore's john watson i assume what they're trying to go there is that since he tracks down beasts he's a really good tracker but like the guy is straight up amazing at magic and we didn't even see harry come close harry like says one spell 95 percent of the time and it's expelliarmus and yep. that's literally the only one he ever uses and like newt's over here breaking out the whole freaking playbook and is just kicking ass and i'm just like we never even got to see harry do anything cool like that and uh so i i, I was i don't know if i care for that that much i would have rather maybe newt be a little less powerful because right now he seems like he could straight up like wreck shit I don't right. know because he didn't do very well at the in the last scene. So he fought off those blue flames really well. Fought off those blue flames. How do you feel about Credence? Uh, wasn't a fan of him in this movie. Yeah, I, the whole movie. Who is Credence? Who is Credence's uh, parents? He's a very very Star Wars vibe. Yeah, like with Ray. Who's sure. Who who is he related to? Except the difference between Credence and Ray is at. I don't give a shit whose Credence parents are. <laughs> that was true. That was me true. the entire time. I'm like, why is this the main? I don't care. I don't care. And then I was, as this movie progressed, I was like, oh God, they're going to make him related to someone, aren't they? They're going to, they're going to make him related. They're going to try and do something Star Wars where like we care. And then they're going to make him related to someone. And I'm just going to be pissed. I'm like, that's lazy writing. That's not good at all. And yeah. sure enough, we won't get to that, but sure enough, they do. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that. I wasn't a fan of that either. I, I, the credence was the whole focus on this, and I, I wasn't, I wasn't a big fan of that. Now, um, what was cool uh, outside of credence, which by the way, credence just kept showing up everywhere. All, characters did this throughout the movie, like yeah. they just, they were just like conveniently there. How did Jacob know where to go? That went where he saw in the the magic ball thing, and he just shows up. But uh, something I did like, though, was Hogwarts showing up in the classic score for the Harry Potter movies in that. That was awesome. Was that not – it was great to see Dumbledore teaching in the Defense Against the Dark Arts. Right. No, it was definitely cool going going back to Hogwarts and seeing that again because it really draws in all of, you know, what we know about the wizarding world together. So um, I was a fan of that. One one thing that uh, I I read online is – I guess Dumbledore was a transfiguration teacher mm-hmm. and not defense against the dark arts. Oh, uh, so that was one thing that kind of threw people off. Interesting. Um, Cause it was oh, never in the books mentioned he was. before in the books. He was a transfiguration teacher. Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Like in the past. Yeah. So yeah. that was one thing that kind of threw uh, uh-huh. people off. Um, yeah, and he and he was just defense against the dark arts this time. Yeah. Right. Now, I mean, I like the idea of him being defense against the dark arts, but I also feel like there was a canonized reason why he didn't teach defense against the dark arts. I could be wrong on that, but I don't know. Right. Um, 
but yeah, I, but I, I did like that scene. That was uh, that was fan service that I enjoyed. I liked mm-hmm. seeing Hogwarts back then. I liked seeing right. the old Hogwarts uniforms. They did the one. They did kind of make it feel kind of small, uh, which is Hogwarts is so grand in the movies. They I know they only kept it in one classroom, but there was like no students or life going on around the castle at the end and during that part, other than in that classroom. Right. And but, I know they're in class, but yeah, but. Again, that that's not the focal point of the movie. You don't want to dive too deep yeah. into Hogwarts. Yeah. Um, I thought what what they did with it was was sure. good. Sure. You know, they didn't overwhelm me with it because the we don't want to focus on Hogwarts. We want to focus on the rest of the Wizarding World. Mm. Um, so it just kind of briefly tied it in together. Yeah. And I I really did enjoy seeing Dumbledore teach there. I thought that was really cool. I like the whole uh Boggart. Thing there, and you kind of get to learn more about Lita, Lita Lestrange, which mm-hmm. again, I didn't, I don't know if I really care about her character either. That's one of the the crutches of this whole universe right now is I don't know if I care about any of these characters. Right, I, I think they're really pushing Lita throughout the whole story, her being, her getting engaged to Theseus, but also back when she's a child, kind of being in love with Newt, Theseus' brother. Um, but I, I just found myself not really caring. Right. I did think that Boggart scene was interesting with like the cloth flying through, and obviously we find out that that's that's a that's a baby in that cloth yep. that in her Boggart. Which, by the way, I feel like uh, the idea of the Boggart. I mean, I like it. Like, hey, you should be able to be open with your fears. We're all human here. But I feel like that could take a sharp turn, like real quick. Like, oh yeah, it's like Jamie. It's your turn to do the Boggart, and and her like worst fear is like being decapitated or something like that. And like, Jesus Christ. It's just like, that would be the worst. Uh, I yeah, feel I like mean, that's what's potentially happening. Yeah, I, I want everyone at my school to know what my biggest fear is. Absolutely. <laughs> it would just be, I don't I don't know if it, it, it turns, I mean, they always make it seem so innocent. Oh, Ron's afraid of spiders. Oh, Newt's afraid of Newt's, desks. Newt's and... afraid of a desk. Claire is afraid of getting her hands sawed off with no pain, uh, no pain, <laughs> no, uh, no, no painkillers. <laughs> Jesus. It's like, she, that would be terrible. I mean, maybe she's a seamstress and she likes to use her hands and that could easily be her worst fear. <laughs> I, I, I just don't know if that, I don't know how well that turns out, but, um, I did like that. I did like that, uh, that class there. Um, um, let's see. What else do we want to? What else do you want to touch on? Do you have any? Uh, what else? We got a. Let's see. Let's take a look at. I wanted to talk about the uh, the the story with the. Like I said, with the whole uh, rushed um, feel of the movie, or just the bad pacing. Did you also notice people just appearing everywhere, wherever the plot was convenient for them? Did you notice that? Like Jacob, randomly yeah. appearing places. Credence yeah. was the biggest culprit of that. Credence just showed up wherever, like, oh shit, we need Credence there. Just throw him in there. What's Credence doing there? But, then again, the whole premise of the story is trying to find Credence. So it could have been that people were just going to wherever he was at, and yeah. then he happened to, you know, the situations happened to kind of erupt yeah. from there. Yeah. Um, but no, I agree. Like you hopped all over the place, and mm-hmm. yeah, characters ended up turning up. Yep. Like Nicholas Flamel just mm-hmm. randomly appearing. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that. I mean, I guess it could be important later Bad on, but I feel service. like it was. Yeah, I think it was just one of those things. It's like, hey, it was cool to see the Sorcerer's look. Stone, though. Yeah, that was that was pretty that? cool. That was cool. I did notice that. That was cool, but 
why? Why was he there? Like, what was his what was his purpose? Like, I I know it's an old fan. It was just it was fan service for the sake of it. And I like good fan service where they work him into the story in a in a proper way. Whereas this guy was just like, hey, go shack up with my buddy and uh, over there where you can uh, you can hide where you need to be, and it just so happens to be Nicholas Vamel's house. That was just like I don't. Understand. Right. And uh oh, I don't remember the other guy's name. Um the one that you thought Oh no no no. The one who is uh Lita's brother mm-hmm. or stepbrother. Yeah. Uh I don't know. I, I don't no <laughs> it was a weird character because it they tried to dive deep into him, yeah. but I still don't understand exactly I that was a his that, purpose. Right there to me. I think it was more of a deterrent right. um for Credence's actual um, lineage. And that right there to me was a character we did not need in the movie. I didn't, I didn't, I just felt like that just having him a part of that movie added 20 minutes of unnecessary. I mean, I, why did we need, why is he the brother of Lita? I don't understand why that, like why that has to be touched on so much. Also, I feel like the JK thinks we care more about the Lestranges than we actually do. Right. I, I think Bellatrix Lestrange is a great character. Right. I really could care less about her family tree and her past family guys. And with, like, Credence originally being like, oh, he's he might be a Lestrange. Like, this is what this whole movie is about, finding out he's a Lestrange? I could care less. Right. And kind of with Lita, um, I, I think she could have had the potential to be a good character because mm-hmm. there's – they introduced her. They, they, I think they did a good job introducing her because you got her backstory um, and kind of her struggle with being a little strange, but also kind of wanting to be good. Yeah. Because, um, you know, the strange family is normally evil. I think they did kill her off too early, though. Um, yeah. They killed her off at the point where you don't really care that much. Yeah. If they would have kept her around for another movie or two and sure. developed her character a little bit more, I think that would have been um, a little bit better for the story. Yeah. I mean, that whole last scene I thought was. No, I thought that, that with Lita dying and everything, that whole last scene was the best part about it was Johnny Depp as Grindelwald there, his speech and everything like that. He seemed serious, but then he took a bong rip so hard he summoned World War II, and I don't know what was going on there. Why? <laughs> like, what was that? It was wizard crack. It was, that's what it, he's like. He's just like, hey, let me, uh, let me hit that one time. <laughs> and then just, exp- and then just expels the smoke and a giant tank pops out. And I'm like, why did he just, why did he have to, it was a, take a skull with a hose coming out of it. And I don't even understand what that was. Apparently some device to show premonitions, but people think that, that he is actually going to be the reason World War II starts is that he is going to like work with like Hitler or something like that? Some people have have theorized that. Well, that's actually pretty. That would be. Int- I don't want that though. I don't want him to work with Hitler. No, I, no, that would be extremely weird. I'm tired of Hitler. Of having Hitler in the the wizarding. I'm tired. World. Of I'm tired of Hitler. But that was uh that yeah Alita dying there by it just seemed like. <sighs> There was so much stuff with her character that they were trying to like make us care about, and then she died before I really could even care. So I didn't, I didn't like that part there. Um, what are what are your thoughts on was it Theth- Theseus? 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 Um, I like him. I like him enough as a character. Uh, I think it's kind of cool to see that uh, Newt has a brother that's pretty much the 
almost the opposite of him, but there's some good chemistry between them there, some good brotherly love, which was which was nice to see. I thought Theseus shaked off the fact that her wife just got burnt alive pretty easy. He was just like quick hug to Newt. He's like, oh, yeah, but, hugs fix all. We good. We're good. Um, I felt like there should have been more of a reaction there. That was kind of that was kind of weird. One one thing that kind of bothered me is you you clearly knew Newt loved Lita, mm-hmm. and yet his brothers engaged to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's true. But but Newt loves. Wait, no, Newt doesn't love Lita. He did. Well, he did, but he loves Tina now. Right. He's all about that Tina. Those, those salamander eyes. He wants that salamander. He... <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Um. <laughs> Now, at the after all this comes down, and Queenie joins Queenie joins uh, Grindelwald, and Credence obviously decides to finally join in with with Grindelwald. Again, I don't know why Queenie why why Grindelwald focused on Queenie specifically to get him to, her to join the team, but we finally get to the point where we find out, like, uh, where who credence is at the end of that movie and i was i just did not i did not like that at all credence is a dumbledore apparently one of dumbledore's mystery brothers when we only knew he had one which uh what was his what was aberforth uh, aberforth yep um was dumbledore's one brother that already had a pretty significant part in the books and I'm a little annoyed if he's really a Dumbledore that J.K. is like, yeah, make him you, a Dumbledore. You know what this really reminded me of? The the third Transformers were like, only a prime can kill a prime. Mm, great movie. Basic, oh, the best, the best uh, Transformers movie. <laughs> Absolutely. A little uh, Michael Bay action here. But uh, no, and then they, throughout the whole movie, it's like, uh, only Credence can kill Albus. Um, and you know, it. It just gave me that vibe. Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't a fan of it because there's no mention of Dumbledore having a second brother yeah. throughout any of the books. Nope. J.K.'s never said anything nope. um, in regards to that. Nope. Um, I mean, we, we don't even know if that's 100% true. They it could, could be a lie. It could be a lie. Um, but, you know, and then and it seems like he's super freaking powerful. He's an obscurial, which is an extremely powerful being, a big old black cloud an angry black cloud is what that is but apparently super powerful at the end there with his wand he just takes out a mountainside that Grindelwald gives him seems like he would be a huge part of the story would it not so you'd think that would be included and touched on at some point like hey Grindelwald and Dumbledore go way back not only did they accidentally kill Dumbledore's sister uh they also uh you know his brother's kind of messed up too because of Grindelwald you think you know what would have been really interesting is if he's a a purple is that how you pronounce it the, the Deathly Hollows family and Harry's like oh, great grandpa. Oh my god, that, that would, would be have been interesting. that could be interesting because it would then tie in the Deathly Hollows story sure. and Harry Potter as well. Sure. That is interesting. Maybe he is. Maybe I honestly think Grindelwald is lying to him about being a Dumbledore. I th- I think so too. Although the I scene with the Phoenix that kind of throws you off as well because earlier in the the movie um, Dumbledore is like. You know, a phoenix only presents itself to a Dumbledore. So could be could be some dark magic, unknown sorcery. Maybe maybe someone was blowing the little skull smoke behind. Phoenix came out. <laughs> that could be. That could, couldn't have said it better myself. That could exactly be what happened. Let's talk about that poor Niffler. I wanted to cry when he oh, like, when he when he burned his left yeah, leg to get that blood blood oath thing. Which, by the way, what is the difference between an unbreakable vow and a blood oath? I want to know what that's all about. Uh, apparently, 
I don't know off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. I would assume if you break the unbreakable vow, you die. Yeah. Um, but if with the blood oath, I guess yeah. it takes 18 years and then you can break it. And then that's when they're going to battle. It's, I don't know. That might be, that might be it. Once, once the blood oath comes of age and it's legal, it can, See, it can I, come to an end. <laughs> oh, you're 18. Uh, it's time to end this. I thought that was oath. a cool little touch of magic there. It uh, is cool. But, but I don't understand what that is. It, it, honestly, it could just be a plot point. So, yeah. cause with the unbreakable vow, you can't, remove it but with this it's probably just a plot point so then they can and real quick just a real quick segment another thing because jk rowling say what you will about her screenwriting but she absolutely has done an amazing job filling out this universe with details and filling out with little minor things that people like us people are huge fans really appreciate something like that unbreakable vow by the way is that did you hear remember that part where um what's his face who's the um who is Lito Strange's uh, brother? What was his name in that? Was it Tarquil Travers? I think it was Travers. I think that's. I think it was it Arnold Torquil. No, yeah, yeah, no. The Travers was. Uh... Who, whoever it was, I think it was Arnold Guzman. Arnold Guzman. Well, whoever it was, um, had scars from an unbreakable vow, and I thought that was really co- a really cool detail. That after the unbreakable vow is placed, you have scars on your hands for uh, forever because you you did that, and I thought that was really right. cool. Um, that was a cool detail there. But yeah, I'm not sure really what the blood pact is, but it was cool to see kind of how that was made. They did seem to touch on that uh, Dumble Gay Dumbledore is. Um, is is maybe a gay man, which is fine. He, he it's totally fine. I was, I, I that's something I was always worried about with J.K. Rowling. Is she kept she kept adding on things to the story, just off off the top notes about like, oh yeah, seven books. We've uh, we've we've never mentioned that uh, Dumbledore was gay, but apparently he he's gay now, and I I think that's I mean. What I would have preferred is if they written that wrote that into the book because I feel like that's a disservice to a character too. As if you throw something so huge into whose person person would be after you're done reading the books and you just you just throw it in on an off topic note when everyone's already made up their minds about who they think Dumbled uh, how they see Dumbledore and whatnot. Which I would have loved if they would have just written that into the book. So right, and it, I believe when she made that, she said I always wrote him as gay, but it's up to the reader to decide. But it seems like she's Maybe implementing that 100% with the Mirror of Irised, uh, which was cool that we got to see that, showing that what Dumbledore wants most is apparently Grindelwald. And whether that's back as a friend or back as uh, right. someone he loves, um, I thought that was it, a cool bit. Right. I agree. There, I think there's a few different ways you can interpret the Mirror of Irised. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I interpreted it was he desired to not do the Blood Oath, but... Yeah, that could be it. That could be it. It's going to be I mean they they said before that they're not going to specifically touch on that really. Now, I mean they literally Dumbledore's line is we were much more than brothers. So, I I don't know what that really means. Um but well, I guess we'll have to find out in in the next in the next uh, movies to come uh, if they're going to touch on that more or uh or what. Um either way, I think it's that that was a nice part. I think because just showing that Dumbledore and Grindelwald have so much history together and are, are such good friends that it's not as simple as just, you know, fighting one another and killing one another to end one, you know, one thing or the other. 
um, which is a nice, a nice little tidbit there. I think. Have you uh, like read any other reviews and people's opinions? Mm, no. There's so that line that Rita Skeeter says. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know what it is exactly. I'll paraphrase it, but uh-huh. basically that uh, you may not think it actually happened how it went. For all we know, uh, Grindelwald just raised a white flag. Oh yeah, and surrendered. Um, That's true. So a lot of people are thinking there may not be a great battle. Yeah. But how would be, you feel about that? Five movies and they don't even battle at all. That would be some that would be some bullshit, man. I'm not waiting five movies to see them hug it out and Grindelwald just say, you know what, screw it. But hugging We're not gonna hugging fight. fixes everything. This is gonna be worse than the this could be worse than what happened in The Last Jedi, where everyone was like just like, Oh well I don't think anything. Oh, man. And little plug here. Force Vision Podcast, that's going to be coming soon, and I think our first episode is going to be diving into a topic that's been discussed 10 billion times, and you probably have no interest of hearing more about it, but we're going to do it anyways. Tim and I are going to go deep, deep into The Last Jedi, and finally, I'm, going to, I'm just going to lay it all out there. I've talked to a lot of people about this, about this movie, and my thoughts have changed here and there, and a lot of people think I'm wrong, some people think I'm right, but I'm going to put it all out on the table for that one, so be, be sure to check out that. That's a quick little plug. Um, to, end, uh, to end out the podcast today, Tim, um, one thing I want to mention is Dumbledore's beard growth. My God, was that full, was that beautiful at the end of that movie? Oh, yes. It was amazing. It clearly grew at least a couple inches before, from the last time we saw him to now. It just looks like it's wonderful. And I hope we get full beard down to waist area Dumbledore by the fifth movie. That would be quite great. Um, Now... Let's see. Uh, something I was seeing this entire time, by the way, when I was seeing like Newt do all this cool magic and battling, would it not be cool? And we should we'll we'll do on our next common room. We should come up with what we would think would be a great Harry Potter follow up because I would love a Harry Potter or movie. We don't need maybe an eighth book. I would love an eighth book because uh, the cursed child does not exist. That is wiped from my memory forever. But a Harry Potter or movie where we can actually see Harry kicking ass with all these different like abilities he's learned and uh, whatnot. I think we I would love a trilogy of that or something. Right. It wouldn't even have to be Harry Potter specifically. Yeah. If you got a better idea of like an or the day to day, that would be really interesting. Sure. Kind of like a true detective yeah. where you know they're going around um, doing research, kind of oh, just be detective cool. work. That'd um, be cool. And going into the darker depths of the, the wizarding, know, the wizarding world. world. Yeah. I think uh, what I loved is when they first started this Fantastic Beast thing, they didn't really have like the Wizarding World logo and whatnot. Now it seems like they're fully embracing that this is going to be a cinematic universe. They're taking the, they're taking, you know, uh, following Marvel's lead and um, hopefully not following DC's lead too much because that's not going very well for them, but going into the cinematic universe. And obviously, they've kind of fallen on their face, in my opinion, on a couple of these movies already with Fantastic Beasts 1 and 2, but I'm excited to see what else they can create. Um, I'm hoping with the third Fantastic Beast we get a different director. I hope I hope David Yates uh, hangs it up and lets someone else take the reins because uh, I want to see something fresh and new. Like Michael Bay? Like Michael Bay. Let's get Michael Bay on here. I want some more explosions. Um Yes, that's what I would like. Um, okay, Tim, I think that's a good place to to kind of round it out. Um, our review of Fantastic Beasts: The Crimes of Grindelwald, aka I wish we didn't name our franchise Fantastic Beasts: The Crimes of Grindelwald. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give them my rating on this thing out of ten. Okay, I'm going to give this a rating. Um, 
4.5 out of 10, man. I just did not. 4.5? Just did not get a kick out of it. I thought there were some, there was good bits, but overall, there was good bits, good performances, great little details. The, the creatures looked alive, very lively and colorful and beautiful. But in the end of it, the pacing was way too off. Characters I didn't care about. So much muddled plot with the lead of Lestrange and her brother. And then this Credence, a brother. Did she kill a baby? Too much, two baby deaths in this thing. That's going to knock it down a point. Um, so I, I have to give it a 4.5. I just did not really enjoy it. I thought the first one was better. Um, and I'm nervous about what the future of this series has. But I'm going to give this thing a 4.5. What do you got, Tim? Right. Um, so for me, I would give it a 6 out of 10. Um, solely because I, I think it has rewatchability. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've only seen it once, so definitely I need to watch it again. There could be a lot of minor details I missed. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't rate it lower than that just because I think you can watch it frequently, um, get some enjoyment out of it. Yeah. Um, and I definitely didn't feel as upset after watching that. I'm still kind of excited to see where it goes. Cause sure. there's still a lot of questions that, you know, I'm genuinely interested in, sure. um, as opposed to like how he felt after the last Jedi. Yeah. Sure. Um, so I think there's still a lot of cool directions that they can go, you know, they could, they can go with this. Um, so I don't think it was a total mess, but it, I think it's just kind of one of those movies. It's, it's solely to lead up to the next. Gotcha. So. What do you give it out of 10? Six. You give it a six. Didn't I say that earlier? Maybe you did. Did you say it? Jordan says you said it. Said I must have missed it. I just got lost in those baby blues. You know what? Um, Tim, I want to thank you very much for coming on uh, the first ever The Common Room Podcast. I thought we had a lot of fun. I think this was a great discussion. Um, very excited about having you on as co-host for, for other things as well. Yeah, Thanks for having me. I had, a, had a lot of fun. No problem, buddy. No problem. And then I want to give a personal thanks again to our production manager over here on the right. Whoa, is that me? That's you. That's you. There he is, right yes. on the mic. There he is, uh, Jordan Katzer, <laughs> Jay Katz himself. Thank you so much again for being great with all the production on these things. I'm ex- super excited to see where we go with this, uh, and it's it's going to be an absolute blast. This is just the beginning. Again, guys, go to Cinemaxtic at all your favorite podcast listening apps. If you don't have them, download them. Subscribe it for me. Let me know you subscribed. I would love to love have you. I'd love to have you as a listener. Um, and yeah, again, one more thing as well, Cinemaxtic Pod, name of the podcast, pod at gmail.com. If you have any questions, if you have any re- responses, anything we said, anything you want to debate, send it into that email inbox. I would love to read it, and I would love to mention it on the next podcast. You will get a personal response from me every single time. So Pod at gmail.com. Thanks again so much for listening to the very first episode of The Common Room. Subscribe, like, whatever. We'll see you next time here in probably about a month, and be on the lookout for Force Vision, and then the next episode of Cinemaxtic here coming soon. Thanks again, and goodbye. Stay magical. Beautiful.